Great, thanks, Andrea. Um, so we, well, mixed up slightly today. We're going to have a longer response time after I've been, uh, I've preached. So it's not that uh, I can uh, bore you for uh, an hour's time, but that we will have a normal length preach. And then uh, as part of the response, we'll be coming uh, back into worship. Thank you so much to everybody who's pledged towards the uh, Community Action Hub as we've been doing through, uh, through June. Um, you're still able, if you'd like to, to pledge into that. Um, many of you will know that uh, it's actually about adapting uh, the building that we have, the Hastings Centre, so it serves the poor and disadvantaged in our area better. We ran out of there, the Hastings Food Bank, which is one of the, the really busy food banks. And um, at the moment, we've got the warehouse in one place, we've got the distribution place somewhere else, and we're kind of forever moving food around. It will allow us to bring that sort of thing together. At the moment, um, if uh, needy people are coming into us, they tend to end up in coffee box, and sometimes that can cause uh, challenges, shall we say. Um, and so we're actually then going to have a, a dedicated area where people can come in, they can receive ministry. Industry. Uh, they can find support, they can find help, uh, they can do practical things like wash their clothes and have a shower and uh, stuff like that. So it's a really important adaptation that we're doing of the Hastings Centre and uh, so every pledge towards that is, uh, is really important to us and joins you up in that, that vision that we have to serve the, the poor and the needy in our area more effectively. So thank you for that. Um, uh, Lorraine said we don't have baby Thanksgiving today so it gives us the opportunity to have what we call a, a venue preach which means um, we're not in series it gives us a little bit of more freedom even like starting a little bit earlier today um, and uh, as we had this opportunity coming up I just thought I'd love to speak about spiritual wisdom and um, I was talking to Andrew about it and I was saying you know I need a good definition of uh, wisdom and um, Andrew isn't always in his helpful way said well I think it's actually about living life well and so that's what I've called my my talk today and um, I don't know about you but I would expect that we would all say yeah we want to live life well and I believe that to do that we need good spiritual wisdom. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, what is wisdom? How do we get wisdom? Um, and I hope that we can just sort of stir in our hearts a sort of thought, yeah, actually, I need more wisdom. And then we can see uh, how the Bible says that we actually get more wisdom. When you look at your life, I don't know if it's like mine, it seems to be full of decisions. Choices we have to make the whole time. Not only things like how many shirts or how many pairs of shoes or handbags, if that's your thing, that do you need. Not even just the trivial things like, you know, what do I have for breakfast? But how do I discipline my children? Those of us getting older, you know, when shall I retire? How much insurance do I need? So many kind of decisions that face us all the time. And we're making decisions, aren't we, all the time. What are you going to do this afternoon? You're thinking about going on holiday. Where should you go? How much money should you spend? Sorry, um, Heather, yeah, if, uh, if there are other youth, it is the time um, for them to go out. Um, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, how much should I spend on going on holiday? When do I need to trade the car in 
good one for parents these days. You know, how much screen time should my kids have? Decisions we've got to make the whole time. You, who are grandparents, how much time are you going to give to your grandchildren? Now, I think there may be times when, as we face these decisions, we have a kind of clear word from God. But generally, actually, we would just use the wisdom that we have on the basis of what seems right. Some of you will know that um, a couple of months ago, Lorraine and I, we uh, took off to Lanzarote for a week. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about Lanzarote, but it's basically just a heap of volcanic ash stuck in the Atlantic Ocean. There's really not very much there. And, um, you know, there's not even decent beaches, really. So, um, actually, all we had to do for a whole week, really, was sit on the sun lounger, hide from the wind, and choose what we were going to eat for the next meal, you know. And uh, it was funny, as we came back, as we were coming back on the plane from there, I, I just thought to rain, oh, goodness, we've now got to start making decisions again. You know, and somehow, actually, it was a holiday from not making decisions. And uh, that was a really nice thing to have for, for a week. But decisions are there, aren't they, all the time. I wonder if you find it easy or difficult to make decisions. A little bit of a game I'll often play in kind of like a restaurant. I don't know, that Pizza Express. We've been there a couple of times um, over the last few months. And, you know, you go in there and you're faced with kind of pages and pages of how they want to cook pasta, whether it's curly pasta or round pasta or it's got holes in it or maybe it's pizza and then crumbs, all those toppings you've got to um, put on top of it. You know, so many choices just to get a meal. And uh, I kind of tease Lorraine away because I, I like to make my mind up very fast, you know, and uh, part of it, I think, is just trying to shame her as she struggles to work out, you know, and now what sauce do I want to have on it. But, you know, it's difficult sometimes, isn't it, to make decisions. I've got a few examples from my family, um, but I've got two daughters, um, Sarah, who's the oldest, and um, this uh, guy, Jason, um, she'd been friends with him for quite a while, and uh, Jason came to the point that, um, you know, he wanted to marry Sarah, and uh, doing it in, what well, I'd say, the proper way, he thought he'd better come to her father and say, you know, well, you know, I'd like to um, marry your daughter, is that okay? And um, so, you know, I hadn't really thought about it very much. I said, oh, Jason, yeah, you seem a good bloke. I can see that you care for each other and you're going to do your best for each other. You know, if you're a father, you always have a few reservations in your mind. But, you know, okay, yeah, you can have my blessing. Just get on with it. So, um, so, so that was fine, you know, and they got married and they're doing well. But it made me think, I thought, oh, I've got another daughter. I, I think I made that decision a little bit quick, you know. And um, so I sort of <laughs> was ready the next time. And um, when Kevin, who's Alice's, our youngest daughter's husband, um, approached me, he finished it by telephone one Sunday evening, I remember. And he phoned me up and he said, oh, Steve, you know, you know Alice and I, and um, yeah, I'd really like to marry Alice. Is that okay? So I said, oh. Kevin, now, that's interesting. Well, of course, I want to pray and to think about that. Got a busy couple of days. I'll tell you what, I'll phone you back on Wednesday and let you know. 
Poor old Kevin, you know. I think he had torture for these two or three days. And it wasn't that I actually had any reservations any more than with, with Jason. But I just thought, I really want to take this carefully. And um, I've run out of daughters now. I don't have the chance to blow it again. But you get the idea, you know. Actually, how do you make decisions? You know, do you make them quickly? Do you make them slowly? Frustrating, isn't it, when you're behind that person at the junction? They don't know whether to go right or left. Just make a decision and move out of the way. I don't know about you, sometimes um, you see people making difficult decisions, poor decisions, actually. You know, I, and I remember a friend of mine, and um, he actually didn't have very much money at all, but suddenly came into this uh, lump of money. Oh, and he said to me, oh, I said, it's good, I'm great, I'm coming into this money. I'm going to buy this Mercedes. It's got a V8 engine. Carl, it can get to 60 miles an hour in 5.3 seconds. It's electronic, everything. It's got double, you know, turbochargers and all this sort of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure this is a good decision for you. Anyway, a couple of months later, I bumped into this guy. I said, oh, you know, how's the Mercedes going? Oh, well, um... It was actually really difficult to get the money to put the petrol in it because it used such a lot of petrol. And then that turbocharger thing started going wrong, so it wasn't really going very well. And then the last thing was the electric started packing up, so I had to get rid of it. And, of course, I didn't actually get very much for it. And you can see, can't you, decisions like that. Now, well, it's not a trivial decision. You know, it's quite a lot of money. You know, but sometimes, you know, we just see people make decisions and you think, oh, I really wish you weren't making those decisions. But I've learned that I can't make decisions for other people. We lived in India for a while and uh, in India, as you know, they have arranged marriages. And uh, so actually this was another idea with my, having my poor daughter. I said, why don't you let me arrange your marriage? You know, I'm sure I'd make a good choice for you. I could look at she wasn't having it anyway. And um, so the whole Kevin saga arrived. My other children, you know, uh, the oldest ones, moved to Shetland, you know. I'm not sure it's the decision I would have made. I, I couldn't have made that decision for them. And, uh, you know, you still think, oh, it's an awful long way for grandparent duties. But actually, you can see them really thriving in there. And, uh, you know, they had to make their own decision. And uh, I couldn't make any decision for them on that. But it's interesting, isn't it, these different aspects of life. You know, we don't see a godly instruction on how much screen time your children have. Somehow or other, you have to kind of work that out. And of course, as Christian people, for ourselves, you know, what do we do with our time? What do we do with our money? We want somehow to make godly decisions, decisions that will glorify God. So we have to take the spiritual principles from the Bible. We kind of mix that in with a bit of faith, listen for God's leading, and we then move forward. And I'd like to say to you that spiritual maturity, growing in spiritual maturity, is actually about getting better at making some of these decisions. The Bible tells me, doesn't it, how to love, it tells me to love my wife. But actually, it doesn't tell me how many times I've got to take her out for a meal or how many times I've got to buy her flowers. I guess I take the biblical instruction to love. I add in the principles of generosity and sacrifice and things like that, serving others. 
suppose I'll take a bit of the prompting of the Holy Spirit and try and put it all together and choose how often I buy her flowers. I don't know. I don't think I probably do get it right, actually. But, you know, I need wisdom, don't I? And, you know, in all of these decisions of life, we need to know God's wisdom. I've talked about some of the foolish choices that you can see being made. We recognize wisdom in other, others. Sometimes we recognize it in ourselves, can't we? We know clearly that if we see decisions that are contrary to the word of God, it's actually someone's making choices that clearly the Bible says, no, that's not the way to go. Then we'd say, that's very clear. But in many of these other areas, it's less black and white. Sometimes I look at the decision someone's made and I say, well, that seems a sensible decision. I guess what I'm saying then is, that's the sort of decision I think I would have made. But I think we have to be careful too, not just to commend decisions that are cautious or prudent. With our kids, uh, one of the definitions of parenthood that uh, I expect Laurie came up to, she's more wise than me, was about, we felt that parenthood was about trying to help our children to make good decisions, trying to teach them how to make good choices. And I remember very clearly my oldest daughter, she um, came to the end of school and uh, it was an all-girls school and uh, so they were all going to go out to Brighton, I think it was, for the evening, kind of clubbing and whatever else 18-year-old girls are likely to get up to. And um, I noticed Sarah came home and she just said, actually, I, I'm not sure that's what I want to do. I think I'm not going to go. And that was quite a big choice for her. You know, the rest of the class was going, everybody else was going, but she sort of decided, no, actually, I don't think I'm going to go. And, you know, I think for us, it was a real encouragement. We thought, actually, you know, we must have done something right somewhere that, you know, actually, she's learning how to make good choices. Seems to me that our lives are often a product of the choices that we make. Sure, we have natural talents, natural abilities, but what we do with those is in our hands. You remember the story of the talents in Matthew 25, the guys who were commended for using their talents well. Whilst the guy who was punished was the one who made, decided to just hide his talent away, not use it at all. He made a bad decision. And we need wisdom, don't we? We need spiritual wisdom. Wisdom that's different to the wisdom of the world if actually we're going to glorify God in the choices that we make. Do you need more wisdom in the decisions of life? I think I do. And uh, I'd be surprised if anybody else said they didn't want more wisdom. But the great thing is the Bible tells us how to get wisdom. We're just going to look uh, just at, firstly at the life of, so or not the life of, just one incident in Solomon's life. You remember Solomon. Solomon is someone we often think about when we think about wisdom. So let me just read you from 1 Kings chapter 3 and verses 3 onwards. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? 
Solomon at this point could have asked for anything. And Solomon said, You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for, multiplied, multi, for multitude. Sorry. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And then we read just in the, the next chapter, <clears throat> the outcome of that. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. This was a wisdom that was clear and recognizable. He could have asked for anything. And God went talk through some of the things he could have asked for. But he chose to ask God for wisdom. Wisdom to make good decisions. And there's something in that. What does that wisdom look like? Now just turn over to James in chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him, show it, his, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder, and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what does spiritual wisdom look like? The meekness of wisdom, it says. Not proud, not arrogant, not shouting its mouth off. But peaceable, gentle, open to release reason. 
earthly wisdom tends to be about self. How do I ensure my future is secure? What will be best for me? How do I protect myself, stand up for my rights? I don't want to take too many risks. Don't trust anyone. But because it's self-centered, earthly wisdom can be divisive rather than bringing peace and reconciliation. Success for earthly wisdom is measured by success in the world. But here we've got another definition of spiritual wisdom, wisdom from God. It says it's pure. No selfish motives, not self-seeking. It says it's peaceable. Not setting one person against another, but bringing unity. It says wisdom is gentle. Tolerant of others, accepting, not harsh. Open to reason. Wisdom from God is not closed. It's able to gain the consent of others. We need to discuss and be challenged. Wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits, generous, offering grace to others. It's impartial, not motivated by greed or ambition. It's sincere, not double-minded or self-seeking. It's genuine. Does the wisdom I'm applying measure up to that standard? I think when we think about wisdom too, we have to mix in the element of faith as well. Faith has got an important part to play. Has God spoken about this? Where's my faith level? I'd want to suggest that spiritual wisdom always listens to faith. If you know faith for a choice you're going to make, don't go there. We know, don't we, that we're people of faith. We walk by faith. But at the same time, it's interesting that the characteristics of spiritual wisdom don't include prudence, caution, lacking in adventure. <laughs> Sometimes I think a faith-based decision will look unwise to someone outside. But actually, in fact, the unwise decision is the one you made that you don't have faith for. I remember when my um, younger son was getting married, he didn't have a job, his wife had a job, and, um, but he said, actually, mum and dad, we want to go and to be part of a church plant in North London, I think it was. And uh, actually, it's going to mean that Tanika, the only one who did have a job, is going to give up her job. And, uh, well, actually, we're not quite sure where we're going to live. And, well, actually, it's quite close to London. So house prices are not so good and uh, not quite sure how we're going to afford the rent. And, you know, you as uh, cautious, prudent parents are uh, thinking, oh, my children, I don't know what you're doing here. But, praise God, they actually made a decision in faith. And, you know, we've seen it, actually. We've seen God honoring that and it working out. I can't make their decisions for them, but it's great when you see them stepping out, mixing faith with good scriptural principles and actually making good decisions. The Bible tells us that just like Solomon, spiritual wisdom is available to us. And if we want to glorify God with our lives, we need to seek for it. Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. True wisdom starts when we come into right relationship with God. Fear in this passage doesn't mean about being frightened of God. It just means being in respect to God. It means being in good relationship with God. When we become Christians, when we take that step of surrendering our lives to God, that actually is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Spiritual wisdom comes as we seek him, as we give ourselves to pursuing God. And God loves to give wisdom to us. Ecclesiastes says, verse two, uh, verse 26 of chapter 2, For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Wisdom comes as we take the truth of the word into our lives. As we apply that truth and see its effect, as we learn from others. As we seek after it, God gives us the wisdom we need. I came across this verse from Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 8. I just love this verse and just let you just meditate it on it at the moment. This is talking about wisdom. So prize her, that's wisdom. Prize wisdom highly and she will exalt you. Wisdom will honour you if you embrace her. Wisdom will place on your head a graceful garland. Wisdom will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Isn't that a lovely verse? Actually, that's what God wants to give us. He wants to give us that graceful garland, that beautiful crown, as we seek after him for the wisdom that we need. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. I asked you earlier, who wants more wisdom? Here we've got the answer. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given him. And then there's a caution, but let him ask in faith. It's a straightforward promise for God, isn't it? Any of you. Wisdom is available to you, the wisdom that you need. We know God loves to give good gifts to his children. And I guess just practically for me, I see it activated at two levels in my life. There's a kind of general wisdom that comes as we take truth into our lives, as we uh, develop good habits of actually making spiritual choices in the ways we live our lives. And then there are those huge decisions that come. You know, who do I marry? <laughs> what job shall I do? You know, some of those big decisions that you face when actually I think we need special deposits of wisdom at those times. But as a husband, as a father, I want to live day by day exercising the wisdom that means that my life brings glory to God in all that I do. Luke 2 and 52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom. Wisdom is something that grows and increases as we seek after it. As we seek after God, as we let him have more sway in our lives. Paul's prayer for the Laodiceans was in Colossians that they would reach all the riches of full understanding and knowledge 
of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden in Christ, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And as we seek after Christ, as we become transformed more and more into his image, wisdom grows within us. And then as I say, there is those specific choices that you come. I don't know about you, but I face them quite often when you just think, I have no idea what the right choice to make is in this situation. It's beyond my understanding. And those are the times, aren't we, when we cry out to God, Lord, please help me to know what to do in this situation. And uh, again, I think this verse from James applies, not only in the general, but in that specific time. Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. And we can be confident that even in those situations when we have no idea, actually God comes with his wisdom, with that word, maybe from another, maybe from just faith growing within us. Actually, this is the way. Walk in it. We see too that 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8 tells us that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the utterance of wisdom. The ability to speak wisdom into different situations. And like the other gift, I believe this is a specific gift uh, given to individuals for the building up of the church. We're keen at the moment to increase the number of elders uh, across the church. There's, at the moment it's just Paul and myself and we feel we will benefit from a broader eldership. One of the things that we're looking for is men particularly for eldership, it has to be men for us, but looking for those with the utterance of wisdom who can help us in those areas, who are going to make good choices for the church as we move forward. Paul prays in Ephesians that they would have a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God. So if we lack wisdom, we need to come. And ask God. Do you want to be more wise? Do you want to make decisions that mean God is more glorified in your life? Why don't you stand and we'll uh, ask God together for more wisdom. First place to start is that relight relationship with God. Have you come to him? Have you said, I want to submit every aspect of my life to you? I want to have a new start. I want to know you're empowering so that I can make decisions and live a life that pleases you. Father, I just want to pray today for people on the edge of that decision, Lord God. Lord, of commitment of their lives to you. And Father, I just pray, even now, Lord God, that there will be people here who say, no, this is the moment when I decide that I want God in my life. I want to know that wisdom that comes from Jesus Christ. I want him to help me live my life well, to make good choices. 
I want him to cleanse me from the sin and all the wrong things I've screwed up for. Today is the day I choose Jesus. And you know, for you, that will be the start of that spiritual wisdom growing in you. That God is there, not only for, uh, well, for every situation of life. Maybe you're someone who's done that, but maybe you just feel that you're making poor decisions. Maybe your decisions have been motivated by selfish desires and maybe even a bit of jealousy, that sort of thing, with a lack of faith. Maybe you need to pray today, Lord, I need your spiritual wisdom so that I can make decisions that please you. Why don't you resolve to deal with that jealousy, that selfish ambition? When we come to Christ, it's about putting him on the throne of our lives. Maybe you've just edged him off a little bit. Maybe today is the day that you need to put Jesus back on the throne of your life to say, Lord, I submit every aspect of my will every aspect of my desires to you. Lord, come and help me. Help me to live my life well, to make good choices that glorify you. Give me your wisdom. Maybe you're facing those big decisions even now. Maybe it's about finance. Maybe it's about marriage. Maybe it's about job. I don't know, whatever it is. You just don't know quite what to do. There's choices in front of you. doesn't seem there's a clear biblical principle to follow, or perhaps there is. What's God saying? I just want to pray now for wisdom for you, that you will know how to move forward, know how to make decisions that glorify God. Why don't you... Just if you're someone like that, just feel I'm facing big decisions and I don't know what to do. Why don't you just put your hand in the air and it's not about showing me or anything else, but I believe that even as we do that, as we make that response to God, we're, we're crying out to him, Lord, I need your help. If you're facing those big decisions, just don't quite know which way to turn. Why don't you just lift your hand to God and say, Lord, I need your help. Father, I just want to pray for each person with a hand raised now, Lord God. Lord, that you will come with a particular and special deposit of your wisdom for them. Lord God, that in the decisions they make, Lord, they will know your clear leading and guidance, Lord God. That they will know how to make godly decisions that glorify you. Lord, in every aspect of their life. Lord, we, we know you say in your word, we've just read it in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. And we're asking now, Lord God, Lord, for these dear people with these specific situations, that you will give them wisdom. Put your hands down. I don't want anybody else particularly worried about that. Divine wisdom comes as we know Jesus dwelling within us by his Holy Spirit. 
We're going to worship now. Why don't we just cry out to God as we go through that. Lord Jesus, come and fill me more and more. Help me to know your wisdom rising up inside me. Lord, that I can live a life that pleases you in every aspect. In Jesus' name. Hannah's going to lead us. and I know she's got a couple of spirit of words she'll bring in at some point.